welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Oh, get ready, get ready, get ready. Ezekiel chapter 9, it says this, and then, and then I'm going to have you, but reading the word, it says this. The Lord said to him, Ezekiel 9 verse 4, Go through the midst of the city throughout all of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and grieve over all the repulsive acts which are being committed in it. Verse 5, but to the others, follow him throughout the city and strike. Do not let your eyes have pity and do not spare. Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children and women. But do not touch or go near anyone on whom is the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the old men who were in front of the temple, who did not have the Lord's mark on their forehead. God, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, that it's a lamp unto our feet, that it's a light unto our path. God, I pray that today, Lord, my lips would be like the pen of a ready writer. And I just pray for those, God, that may have come in this room with a heart of stone. I pray that they would leave here today with a heart of flesh. Lord, that there may be some things in their life that they've compromised, that they've grown comfortable to the culture and things of this world. But, Lord, you told us to not compromise. God, you gave us instruction through your word on how to stand firm and love well. And so, Lord, I just pray that the spirit of grace and truth is in the room today. And, Lord, that there is a people, a generation for such a time as this that would leave here with a mark on their life that bears the name of God. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that today you would gird each and every one of us up, that we would leave here changed. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them, man, you look like you've lost some weight. Have you lost some weight? All right. Lie to them if you have to. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah. Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. How many of y'all know there is joy in the house of the Lord? And uh, hey, I want to tell you this, give you some good reports. Yesterday, I'm, I'm not sure how the time zone ends, but Pastor Ty and Luann and the team that's over there in Uganda today, there was over 200 kids that they got to minister to, and, and man, how awesome is that? I was talking to Pastor on the phone, he was telling me how, how amazing it is, even down to little kids, of how you can speak to them for two hours and they are just engaged in everything that you say. I'm like, that ain't going on in America. We... You know why? Because we have so many distractions. The kids are, you know, they look at iPads and things like that. For someone to come in and share the gospel is a breath of fresh air. How many of y'all know we, we don't need to take for granted America and all the things that we have? But in the same sense, it's pulled us away from what God wants to do in store in us. But talking about Mark here, if you were here last week, I, I, I want to give you just a quick recap. We're in this series called Marked. Everybody say Marked. And uh, we, we see in the text here how the Spirit of God is going through a nation. I'm going to give you a little bit of history, a little bit of background of what is happening inside of this nation at this particular time. But he says, the Spirit of God is going to go to go to the people and bear a mark who stand up for what is right or what is noble. I, I, I want the Spirit of God, uh, I'm going to put a mark on those that are doing the right thing for such a time as this. And I want to tell you this, when you wear the mark... You are either led by the Spirit, you either have a mark of the Spirit, or you have a mark of the flesh. 
You either have a mark of righteousness or you have a mark of unrighteousness. You either have a mark of love or you have a mark of fear. Now, I will say this, that all of us are a work in progress, but this is a mark that you should be shooting towards with the Spirit of God living on the, on the inside of you. And we're going to talk about that a lot today. But you either have the mark of victory or you have the mark of defeat. How many of y'all know that we don't fight from victory, but we, uh, actually we fight from victory, but not for victory? Because the battle is already won. The race has already been won. Are you out there this morning? How many of y'all know he died, he was buried, and on the third day rose again, and he lives on the inside of us? And so, as this word is sharing here today, hey, there you are. Thank you for this word. And so, uh, as she met me out, out there, what was about a month ago, and she shared this with me, there was something that just birthed on the inside of me. Because I was thinking about this, when we bear the mark, and I don't want to get into a full recap of last week, but when we bear the mark, I was thinking about me as like my dad over me. I spent some time with him last week or two weeks ago at the lake, and I realized how much my personality is like him. My dad is very laid back. He's got a great attitude on life, and I'm just, I'm so thankful for that. And I was looking at all the markings of his personality being inside of mine. As, as I was preaching last week, my brother-in-law Cody was here and his son Creed. And it is amazing. He is not a son. He is a clone. He looks like his daddy. He talks like his daddy. He holds himself like his daddy. And then when you look at Cody's daddy, you see that they, you could line up Busby's. You could line up 50 people and you could count all the Busby's. How many of y'all know they bear a mark? So you don't have to question of who they belong to. And when you bear the mark of Christ, I believe the world on the outside, those who are led by the mark of the flesh, should know because of characteristics that's on the outside of you that you bear the mark of the Spirit on the inside of you. It would be, they don't have to question of who you belong to. I was thinking about, I talked about how animals and trees, how they bear a mark. And you don't have to look up who they are because of the mark that is on them. I gave you an a, example of maybe you have some markings on your body. In the first service, uh, Kenneth and Renora Kosman was here, and several years ago, they sent out this text to all kinds of people, we are cooking brisket if you show up and help us put our building together. I didn't even see building. I saw brisket. So I, in the text, so I went to their house, and I was helping them, and they dropped a piece of metal, and I got this scar right here, Mac. You see that right there? Catch the other day said, Dad, what is that scar? And right away, I remember where I was and what happened to me at that particular time. See, when we bear the mark of Christ, there may, uh, you know, when the mark of the flesh, just like this, of, of some terrible things, you may have some markings before you came to Christ. You may have, because whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There may have been a life that you lived and you bear those marks. But can I tell you, when you live a life in Christ, oh man. When you bear the mark of Christ, what happens to something that you may be going through in 2023, August of 2023, when you bear the mark, he reminds you of something that he did for you in July 2021. He reminds you of something he did for you in May of 2019. He reminds you of something that he did in October of 2011, of how you pulled you out of the miry clay and he set you on the rock to stand. Of at one time you want to have a little bit of pity, but when you mirror the mark of Christ, you remember that he healed your body, he set you free, that he redeemed you, he delivered you, how he's, he's made you a different person. Come on, is there anybody out there that God has done something in your life? Are you out there? 
You wouldn't be here today. We're celebrating. We're coming together, forsaking out the assembly of saints. We're coming together because we have one thing in common. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has done a work in each and every one of us. Okay, I'm not going to preach. Deep breaths. But I'm talking about bearing the mark. I'm, tell, I'm talking because here's the deal. You can't make a difference unless you are different. Here's the deal. You can't make a mark unless you have a mark. And we live in a time and a day that, that and I, I look throughout Scripture and I see all kinds of different examples of people that bear the mark. But one of the ones that I feel like we'd be robbed of if we don't look at the culture that we're living in today and see the example of Daniel. So if you have your Bible, open it to Daniel chapter 1, page 936. Daniel chapter 1. Just a real quick recap. Ezekiel, as he is sharing this, you need to know this. In Jeremiah 36, I wasn't sure in the first service, but I am sure because I looked it up during praise and worship at this time. The Spirit of God dropped this in me. But in Jeremiah chapter 36, what is happening, there was a time before there was a king by the name of Josiah. Let's read Daniel chapter 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. Everybody say Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. You need to say Jehoiakim. Come on, say it like, what, what, what were the people on uh, uh, Star Trek? Uh, or no, Star uh, like a Cleon, say it like a Cleon. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king to Jerusalem, and besieged it. You know, the first thing that I see is this, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all forgive me. Rewind. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's a hero doing something that he thought of. Can I tell you, God has to allow something to happen. And in Jeremiah 36, we see a prophecy. Jeremiah, the prophet, he, he prophesied God's judgment. Uh, Isaiah prophesied God's salvation. Uh, Ezekiel prophesied the mercy and the magnitude and majesty of God. But Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 36, he prophesies this. They had this great name, great king named Josiah, and there was revival in the land. In fact, as we look at these names of these Hebrew children we're going to look at in a, in, in a moment, you could see at that particular time that God ruled the land, but then one leader came in. How many of y'all know it's important that we have the right leader over us? One leader came in, his name was Jehoiakim, and Jehoiakim come in, and he was of evil repute. He didn't serve God, he served little gods. And so he comes in, and Jeremiah 36 says this, the prophet of the Lord writes on a scroll all the things that will happen to him. And he sends his messenger, and he goes into the city, shows all the people in the city of what would happen to Israel if they don't, didn't start serving God. He said, there is going to be something that will happen to you. How many of y'all know Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and fortress. It's him that I put my trust. There's lots of times people stick their fists up in the air and say, God, why would you do this to me? It's no, why did you do this to you? Because sometimes we make decisions and do things that opens the door for the enemy to come into our life. And Israel had opened doors, all these different things of serving these little gods because the leader that was over them. And Jeremiah said, I want you to go talk with the scribes. I want you to write it in a scribe and I want you to go before the king. Read it, Jeremiah 36. And he goes before the king and as he goes before the king, the king does Nancy Pelosi's uh, uh, famous uh, state of address. He reads it, and he rips it up and throws it in the fire. And so 
the Spirit of the Lord comes to Jeremiah again. He said, I want you to write it on another scroll and bring it to him. And in that scroll, it said this, because the hand of God is not upon you, I will allow you to go into captivity for 70 years. And so here we read in the first, we read in the first book of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar comes down, thinks he has this great idea, but it's only what the Lord had already came up with. All right. And so the first wave of them is what we see in the book of Daniel, where we see these boys like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then we also see in the book of Ezekiel is the second wave. And God used Ezekiel as a prophet to speak for those that would bear the name and wear the mark of Christ. And as we look at Daniel, we see that there is a mark on his life. And I want you to look at some characteristics during this particular time. So it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, this would have been about 605 B.C., it says, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. It says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the house of God. Now, this is messing with some serious stuff. Not only did he grab the children of God, even though they weren't serving God, how many of y'all know they're God's chosen people? How many of y'all know we, we still need, need to love on the Jew, the Jew first, and then the Greek? The, the Bible says, I will bless those that bless Jews and curse those that curse Jews. How many of y'all know we need as a people of God need to pray for Israel? We need to lift them up. We need to, come on. And so it says, Jehoiakim, king of Judah into his hand along the, the some of the articles of the house of God. So they grabbed scrolls. They grabbed the Ark of the Covenant. They grabbed all these things and were basically doing this to the Lord. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and brought the articles into the treasury of his God. There is two things when you walk in sin that will happen to you. Not two things. There's more than that. But there's two that I wrote right here. I see this. When you blaspheme the things of God, be very careful of making fun of things. You know, there is people on TV, TV preachers that I don't necessarily like, but I'm very careful about what I say because God is using them in ways that I may not see. Are you hearing me? I'm very careful of that. Don't blaspheme the things of God. I mean, if people are being healed and delivered... Praise the Lord. It may have not been the way that I saw it happen, but praise God, it's happening to somebody. It's, and, and the second thing is this, two things sin will do. You'll blaspheme God. Number two, there will be a bondage that will come over your life. So now these people are in bondage. It says in verse 3, And the king told Ashpenaz, the, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some from the royal family and from the nobles. Young men without blemish and handsome in appearance, skillful in all wisdom. Endowed with intelligence, discernment, and quick to understand, competent to stand. Can I tell you, the enemy has no new tricks. I'm going to show you over the next couple of weeks that there is a spirit of Babylon that is in the earth today. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's a spirit of Babylon. And the same thing that the enemy is doing right here, there is some that he pinpoints because he sees a call of God upon their life. How many stories have y'all heard of young men and women that are raised in the church and love God and serve the Lord, and they go to their freshman year of college at Yale or some Ivy League school, and they get woke by some professor? They fall into some trap. Can I tell you, the enemy has a target on the ones who are going to make a difference. The enemy has no new tricks. The same thing that he's doing right here, he's... he, he uh, he is after you and I's kids. 
the agenda of what's happening in the schools today. He is after you and I, our, our kids. You watch on television. You see the things that they're putting out there on YouTube kids. They are after the minds of our children. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it says, competent to stand and able to serve in the king's palace. He also ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Said, you may have been raised this particular to talk this way, to do this particular thing, but what I'm gonna do, the spirit of Babylon does, is tries to talk them out of this way, and this way is better. How many of y'all know there is a spirit of Babylon today in the earth? Says the king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine which he drank. They were to be educated and nourished this way for three years, so at the end of that time they were to enter the king's service. If you know anything about Jews, they drank. They, they drank certain things, they ate certain things they couldn't eat. And it says in verse 6, Among them were the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The name Daniel means God is judge in Hebrew. In Hebrew, Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. In Hebrew, Mishael means none is like God. Azariah means the Lord is my help. But in verse 7, it says the commander of the officials gave them names. Daniel... He gave the name Belteshazzar. Can I tell you this? We live in a culture today, spirit of Babylon. The devil has no new tricks. Think about this. What he's trying to do to the kids today is change their identity. When I watch the news of these he, hims wanting to be she, hers, and they, they, thems, can I tell you that's nothing new? This was going on thousands of years ago of trying to change the identity of our young people. Come on, are you with me this morning? Do I have to be blunt and tell you what kindergarten cop, what they told Arnold Schwarzenegger? Men have penis, girls have vagina. It's as simple as that, right? But what the spirit of Babylon does is it comes in and tries to change your identity. In fact, one of these names, you'll be here next week because I'm going to talk about the marks of a changing culture. And all the things that are happening here, I'm going to, I'm going to line it up of what's happening in our world today. But it says, Daniel's name was Belteshazzar. So he went from God as judge to Bel, protect the king, one of their gods. Hananiah, his name was Shadrach. Shadrach's name is command of Aku. Meshach's name was who is what Aku is. And Abednego is servant of Nebo, all gods that they served. There's a spirit of Babylon that is on the earth today. It says in verse 8, it says, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's finest food or with, with the wine which the kings drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Can I tell you, someone who bears the mark of Christ is someone that says, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what everybody else is watching. I don't care how everybody else is reacting to that. There is something different on the inside of me. I have a whole different list of commands. I have the truth of God's word living on the inside of me. You might all fall for that garbage, but I'm not falling for any of it, because the truth, the standard of God's word lives on the inside of me. You know what we need today? We need Daniels. You know what we need today? We need Daniels. We need some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. Actually, we don't need them. We need Hananiah, some Mishael's, and Azariah. There's people, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll let a loved one change our idea of what the word of God has to say. If we're not careful... 
We will let a boss change us of what the world, ha- what the God's word has to say. Don't let the world influence the word. The word is the final say. And there's so many things about Daniel's life that, I, that I'm going to point out over the next couple of weeks. I'll be here on a life that is marked. But there's something in this before I go any further. I want to point something out because if we don't do this first, we're not going to make a difference because we're not different from the world. It says in Daniel chapter 6, go to Daniel chapter 6, a few pages over, page 945. It says in Daniel 6 and verse 1, It seemed good to Darius to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now at this particular time, the first kingdom of Persia that Daniel was under was Nebuchadnezzar. Then there was another king, and now this is the third king. Uh, Commentators say this, he he became king after Belshazzar, but he might have been appointed by Cyrus. and you, You know what he was, and and you can read about that in Isaiah 45. But at this particular time, he is setting up his cabinet. So Cyrus, or or, sorry, Darius, he he sets up 120 satraps, would be like 120 princes under him. And over those 120, it says in verse 2, and over them three chief commanders would be three chief commanders, so three presidents over these princes, that these satraps might be accountable to them so that the king would have no loss. And then in verse 3 it says this, Then this Daniel, because of the extraordinary spirit within him. Woo! Hey! You guys awake this morning? I don't know about you, but I want them to say about Travis Bennett that there is an extraordinary spirit on the inside of him. I want they say about Mac. You know, I don't know what it is about Mac. We got all these people on the on the workforce at, at Dumas Police Department, but there is an extraordinary spirit on the inside of Mac. Out of all the cowboys I know, I, I know there is an extraordinary spirit on the inside of Gabe. There's one in Chris. Come on. I, how many of y'all want an extraordinary spirit on the inside of you? Well, I got good news for you. You know what spirit he's talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Hey. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. The same spirit that was in the book of Acts. Come on, is on the inside. Acts is not to just be read, it's to be done. And the same spirit that was done in the book of Acts is on the inside of me. So how many of y'all believe that there is an extraordinary spirit on the inside of you? Extraordinary. This is a guy that said, I won't eat the wine, I won't drink the wine, I won't eat the food, I won't read the literature, I won't look like you, talk like you. But still, there was something on him that made him raise to the top and make an influence inside of his nation. There was something extraordinary. You know what it is? It's nothing that you don't possess. It's something that you possess. It's on the inside of you. It's the spirit of the living God. Read it. Daniel chapter 6. Read all, chap- or, or, read all 12 chapters. I will tell you, once you get past 6, there's some strange things that go on. Call Pastor Michelle. She will interpret everything that happens in there, all right? But an extraordinary spirit, you know what an extraordinary spirit is? It's one who interprets dreams. 
An extraordinary spirit is one who prays with effectiveness. An extraordinary spirit is one who understands visions, moves in prophecy, experiences the miraculous, filled with the spirit. Mark 16 says, these signs shall follow him who believes. You'll cast out devils, you'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm just here to tell you this morning, the same extraordinary spirit that sees visions and sees dreams and hears from the fears from God and prophesies and all these things that Daniel did lives on the inside of you. Not just me, it's in you. God's not called you just to be a pew sitter. God's called you to go out there and prophesy. God's called you to go out there and lay hands on the sick. God's called you with an extraordinary spirit to make a difference because you can't make a difference unless you are different different you can't make a mark unless the mark is on the inside of you Woo! come on second service or y'all live this morning so there's an extraordinary spirit within him began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps and the king planned to appoint him over the entire realm all right then in verse four it says this so they see that on him Then the other commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a reason to bring a complaint against Daniel concerning. How many of y'all know when the Spirit of God living on the inside of him, you're going to ruffle the feathers of the enemy? As Granny said, when you turn on the lights, you will attract bugs. All right? It says... But they could find no reason for any accusation or evidence of corruption because he was faithful. Everybody say faithful. Everybody say faithful. A man of high moral character and personal integrity and no negligence or corruption was found in him. This is what I wrote at the top of my Bible. Zoom in if you can, John. I wrote this along uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago as I began to study this out when Sharon gave me this word. But I wrote, marked, no days off. When you lived a marked life, you can't have any days off. The one thing that that set Daniel apart from everything else we read in that scripture just there, it says that Daniel was faithful and he lived a life of integrity. I'm going to move this table up just a little bit, but I... uh, I heard a message one time. We were at um, a conference at Gateway. And um, Jack Hafer was there. And he preached a message on integrity that, I'll, that will stick with me for the rest of my life. I'm going to make a mess here already. But what kind of bread is this? Mrs. Baird's. Come on, born in Texas. This is white bread. Praise the Lord. I feel myself getting fatter just opening it up. Praise the Lord. But I want you to think about your life and think of it like this. Here's a loaf of bread. And this whole bread, it represents integrity. And this is what integrity means. It means it's a character trait that God wants us to have. And integrity doesn't leave you. Meaning this, that you serve God in that closet, but you also serve God in the pew. You serve God... At work, just as much as you serve God inside of your home. And lots of times as believers, what we want to do is this. See, all of these have different compartments. And this, comp- this piece of bread might mean the ball game. This one might mean the golf course. This one might mean pack a sack, United. 
This one might mean Walmart. Let's set this one over here. This one might be driving. This one might be on the computer after all the kids go to bed. Or on the cell phone of people that you talk to. And what we do is, rather than what happens is, you know what happens when you take a piece of the bread out. It unforms it. And, and if you're going to live a life of integrity, every single compartment of your life says, I'm faithful to God in everything I do. I can't just say, you know what, I'm going to live this way here at the ball game. Over here, you know, it's the golf course. I'm with the boys. I'm going to live a different way. Over here uh, at the family reunion when my mother-in-law's there, it's going to be a whole different deal. But a life of integrity is saying, you know what, all of it looks the same. And Daniel, what made him promoted was a life of integrity. The whole loaf. How many of y'all know God's called us to live a life of integrity? And if you're going to live a marked life, you've got to live a life just like right here. It says in verse 5, then these men said, we will not find any basis for any accusation against this Daniel unless we find something against him in connection with the law of his God. They couldn't find anything in his life. I want to ask you the same question. This is a man who made a mark in a shifting culture world. This is a man who stood firm and loved well. But there was no days no days off. No days off. No days off. And here's the deal. I want to look at some people throughout Scripture, not just Daniel, but I want to look at some people because I want to set the precedence today. If you were here last week, I talked about Mark 14, about the woman with the alabaster jar and how there were some characteristics about her that was different from everybody else. She was intentional. How she was sacrificial, how she was extravagant, how she left a legacy with the people around her. But I believe the one who probably made the biggest mark in each and every one of our lives, his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen for Jesus? Because here's the deal. There is a way that we are to do this, to stand up, to live a marked life. And I want to go ahead and set this precedence now because I don't want you to think that I'm hateful, that I, you know, hate everybody who's against the word of God because I love them. I love them so much, I don't want them to stay the way that they are. So in John's Gospel, chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, open it to there. It says this, in the beginning, everybody say the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was in the beginning, all things were made and came into the existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life. Aren't you thankful that Jesus, the, the light... Life came into your dead world. Amen. How many of y'all would agree and testify and say, you know what? Before Jesus, I was dead, but because of him, I am now alive. Amen. If you're not lifting your hand, hopefully you will by the end of the service. And it says, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or observe it. Let's look at verse 9. There it was, the true light. Which coming into the world enlightens everyone. He, Christ, was in the world. And through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Verse 11. He came to that which his own. 
that which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possessions. And those were his own people, the Jewish nation, did not receive and welcome him. Verse 12. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right to become children of God. That is to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of God, will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word Christ became flesh and lived among us. And we actually saw his glory. Glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind who is full of grace and truth. I'm telling you right now, we have got to be a people that is both full of grace and truth. There's a reason that grace is before it. How many of y'all know we're living in a society today and a culture and a world that is grace, 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 grace? I went, we were in Oklahoma City for some, for, for uh, uh, hanging out a couple of months ago. And I can't tell you downtown how many churches that I went by that had rainbow flags and we accept everything and everyone. Yes, I understand that. We accept everyone and everything, but we love you so much with truth that I don't want you to stay at the place that you are. I want you to be redeemed and set free and delivered from all that garbage of the world. Because we can't make a mark. Unless we are marked. So there's this message of grace. Just do everything. Be anything. How many of y'all know there's a standard that we've got to live by and it's truth. Truth, truth, truth. And then there's people that are in this ditch over here. Truth, 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 truth. You're going to hell. You're like, what is hell anyway? All right? When you're in Alabama, hell. All right? You're going to hell. All right? How many of y'all know it's the truth? Is it not? People are going to hell. Are they not? They're going to hell. But I said this in the first service, and you can be offended all you want to. And remember, we have a great children's church out there. But there is people out there that they are doing this, and if you do this without grace, you might as well just do this. Have I offended you yet? I'm not meaning to, because I'm speaking the truth this morning. There's a reason that grace is in front of truth, because grace opens the door for truth to be said. You're like, well, the truth, well, well, let's talk about the law. What did Jesus say? What does it say right here in John chapter 1, verse 17? For the law was given through Moses, but, 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 but. I mean, when that, that but, that's a big but. And I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers can't deny. <laughs> it's getting a little serious in here. I'm trying to wake you all up. It says, but grace. Everybody say, but Here's the deal, but grace, it says, for the law was given. We know what the law is. You're like, Pastor, you're, you're preaching law. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I want you to think about Jesus. You, you say this, we don't live by the law. Okay, try to commit adultery on your spouse and see how much they like that. Because adultery is law. Murder is law. Covetousness is law. But how many of y'all know it's pretty good morals to live by even today in 2023? In fact, Jesus, you said Jesus came to uh, break the curse of the law. May I remind you of what Jesus said when he caught the woman uh, caught in adultery? He says this, the law says you don't commit adultery, but I say even a person who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery in their heart. He took the law and he blew it up even higher. He set a standard we almost couldn't even reach, but thank God he's there to reach it for us. Amen. And that's what grace is. 
Grace has got to be first. If you nail people with the truth, with this, this, and this, always remember there is three fingers pointing at you. Grace opens the door for truth. Write this down. Truth. What is truth? Truth is this. It's God's standard. Aren't you thankful that he picked right and wrong? <laughs> we were talking about it the other night, uh, us and the kids at the dinner table. And can you imagine if you became pregnant and you got to go to a spreadsheet? I want them to have this particular eyes. I want them to have this kind of hair. I want them to have this kind of personality. <laughs> right? Not be hard-headed. Listen to everything that I have to say. Wouldn't it be something? Here's the deal. We'd all be the same. Aren't you thankful for the creativity of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for our creator, Jesus? But aren't you thankful that he picked these things out? And so it says in John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by your truth. What is the truth? Your word is truth. Grace. Let's write this down. If you're writing notes down, grace is what? It's God's favor. And it's nothing that you can work toward it because it's so high. What does it say in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that, that, is, uh, that is a pillar of our belief system? But it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace uh, we are saved through faith, and this salvation is not of yourselves, but it is the underserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works. How many of y'all know you couldn't do what Jesus did for you? So that no one will be able to boast or trade credit in that way. So all the glory goes to God. So I want you to think about this in this matter. Of us, during a shifting culture, a mark on our life, we've got to both work in grace and truth. And the reason I'm setting it up like this, because in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about some things that you're going to think, man, he's hard. No, no, no. I promise you, you spend time with me. I'm very gracious. All right? And I'm going to be very, uh, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm, may my lips be like the pen of a ready writer. Because my goal is not to run any one of your loved ones away, but to be gracious to pull them in. Can I tell you, I speak from experience that I, there is people that I, that, that I work for that live a homosexual lifestyle. They come to me. They love me. They, they listen to the messages every single week. And they know that I disagree because I have shared the truth of the gospel. But the grace has opened the door for me to keep speaking truth. And the truth will set them free. I'm not a homophobe. I'm not freaked out. They are somebody's daughter and they are somebody's son. And I'm going to live in compassion and grace to open the door for truth to be spoken in their life. So listen to this. Without truth, we are corrupt. But without grace, we are condemned. Without truth, we are corrupt. But without grace, we are condemned. The second one. Here's another one. Write this down. Without truth, we become worldly. But without grace... We become judgmental. Truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. Grace invites us to be free so the truth can set us free. Here's the deal. You've heard it before. God, God loves you just as I am. Yes, but he loves me too much to let me stay at the place that I am. The greatest example I see in Scripture is found in John chapter 8 of Jesus working in grace and truth. And if you know anything about this particular story, it's the woman that's caught in adultery. 
So it says, I, I, I'm just going to go here. I, the Lord reminded me of this. I, they didn't even get this in the first service. It says, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They made her stand in the center of the court. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? They said this to test him, hoping that they would have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and began writing on the ground with his finger. Can I just tell you right there, and a good example of Jesus, when people corner you like that, it doesn't mean that you have to say anything. Right? Because sometimes the things that I'm saying by my flesh is going to make the situation a lot worse. Get you crayons and a doodle pad. Just start doodling like Jesus did. Right? But I also have this belief, too. I also believe that Jesus had a little bit of a sense of humor. And I believe Jesus was writing in the sand all the mistresses that they had been involved with. Rebecca. Come on. I don't care. That's funny. That's my own thought. You can laugh with me if you want to. All right. Oh. But it says in verse 7, However, when they persisted and questioned him, he straightened up and said, He who is without... Sin among you, let him be the first to throw the first stone. When he stooped down again and started writing on the ground, they listened. Remember the last time Jesus, or listen, the last time God wrote on the earth was he wrote the law of Moses. The second time he writes on the earth, he was writing a new commandment of grace and truth. That's just a nugget to throw out there. Then he stooped down again and started writing on the ground. They listened, and they began to go out one by one, starting with the oldest ones, until he was left alone with the woman. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did, not, did, did one command, condemn you? Jesus answered this in grace and truth. In fact, in Proverbs 3, we see this, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. The grace was this. She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. That is grace. But the truth of the matter was, he said this, from now on, sin no more. How many of y'all know we need to open the door of grace and truth if we're going to live a marked life? We gotta have, we, we've got to be a people that, that does these things. As I come to a close, there's, three, there's four values talking about this, of living a life of grace and truth and living a marked life. There is something on my board that I live by every day. On my board in my office, you can see it. It's values. How many of y'all know we need to have biblical values? There is four things that I have on there. I have love God, honor people, get better, maintain a great attitude. In shoeing horses, this is what I do, all right? This, I, I, I love God. I honor people, which is not always easy. I get better, and I maintain a great attitude. When I parent, I love God. I honor people. I get better, and I maintain a great attitude. All right, number one is this, love God. And all the actions that you do, do you love God? And whatever you do, when you go out to eat, are, are you somebody who reflects God living on the inside of you? On the movies that you pick to watch, are you loving God? On the, on the things that come out of your mouth, are you a reflection of somebody who loves God? Look at this, Matthew 22 and verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which brings me to my second one, honor people. But you can't honor people until you first love God. Because when you get a heart like God, you have a heart for people. How y'all know the business that God is in is the people business? He's been in sales from the beginning of time. And listen, we're coming to a time and place where we as the people of God, we need to start loving people again. Can I get a better amen? Like, I know this is a hard one for you to understand, but we're going to have to love some Democrats. Some liberals. I have some that are surrounded by me, dear God in heaven. I'm like, if y'all dropped on your head as a kid, I don't understand why y'all are thinking this particular way. You really think the economy has gotten better? I mean, there's people that believe that, y'all. But also, too, we're going to have to love some Republicans. If you're a Democrat out there, forgive me. You're going to have to love me now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's love people. The Bible says this in John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't it amazing? The love, I, there's hate. I, we hate people that don't even like the same teams as us. It's crazy. I mean, people take it a whole next level. Hey, if you're going to live a life that's marked, you've got to start loving people. If you're going to live a life that's marked, number two, you've got to start serving people. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Use words, if necessary. This is how a live a marked life. Try this out. Smile. Act like you love God. There's some of you as believers, you're one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy rolling believer walking through United like you want to commit suicide. And others around us are feeling the same way because of how you look. Come on, we ought to be driving down Coulter and all that traffic. Bless God. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay, 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 stay. Right there. Circumstances should not Make the decision whether or not there is joy inside of your heart. That's happiness. Joy is eternal. Right? Count it all joy, my brother. Come on, you ought to act like it. Amen? There's times where people send me podcasts, and, and there was one this particular week. They sent it to me, and they were sitting behind this desk, and literally, I am like, I want to take this pencil and shove it into a part of my body to create pain because it's painful watching this person come on you ought to act like this an excellent spirit lives on the inside of you come on my neighbors know this about the bennett household we have a big time would you imagine that at our house we have a big time and we didn't i don't need nine keystones to do it i promise you i get in enough trouble without alcohol come on somebody 
Because there's joy in my heart. Amen. Let's serve people. Let's love people. Here's the third one is this uh, uh, on honoring people. I want to honor up, down, all around. What I love about Addison going to Tascosa High School, when she, when she parks, sometimes she will have a hoopty van next to her and a brand new BMW on the other side. I want her to know this. I want her to learn how to honor the people at the bottom and people at the top. Doesn't matter. I want to honor up people that are in authority over me. I also want to honor down. I honor my kids. I say yes, ma'am, to her. I say no, ma'am, to her a lot. But I say yes, ma'am, from time to time. <laughs> you can just ask her. But yes, sir. No, sir. I say that to my kids. All right? Why? I'm honoring them. I'm respecting them. If, here, it's the deal. Because honor unlocks honor. And if I want them to honor me, I first got to honor them. Are you hearing me this morning? Serve people. Serve people. Share Christ with people. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. and said, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this, what? In a gentle and respectful way, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. People ought to see the good life you live. It's the good life. Yeah, I, I've gotten bad reports just like you. I promise you. I've gotten that call from the doctor. I've, I've, I've been there. I've, I've had that, that bank account that did not look good. But I promise, listen, I live a good life. He's pulled me out of the miry clay and he set me on the rock to stand. Here's the second thing. Number one, we're going to love God. Number two, honor people. Number three, if we're going to live a marked life, we've got to get better. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one, one gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Isn't that good? In everything that I do, I'm going to give glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, In everything you're eating and drinking, do it all for the glory of God. So I want to look excellent with an excellent spirit on the inside of me. I want to dress excellent. I want to talk excellent. I want my appearance to be excellent. I'm going to get better. I am going to get, I believe Christians ought to be the best ones at their jobs in everything that they do. First one's there, last one's to leave. Come on. Some of you are like, you don't work where I work. No, I don't. But let's live by example. Four is this. Maintain a great attitude. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God, he said, God helping you take your everyday, this is a message translation, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in, in it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity on the inside of you. Listen, if you're going to live a marked life, you've got to first love God, you've got to honor people, you've got to get better, and you've got to maintain a great attitude. Are you hearing me this morning?
in your personal life. In your personal life, live a marked life. In your social life, live a marked life. On your Instagram and Facebook life, live a marked life. I've said this before, only a fool argues with a fool. Amen? And all that we do, let's be a marked people. Daniel made a mark because he was first marked. Come on, there's decisions that you can make today to live a marked life. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in there, if you're out there. There's conviction on people's hearts today. Just looking at this bread right here and what we talked about, integrity. Is there parts of your life that you're not serving God? Come on, put it under the blood today. Get things right with Him. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in the room today and you're not serving God, but you want a relationship with Him, you're either saved. I believe there's four different people in this room. You're saved. Number two, you think you're saved. Number three, you were saved. Number four, you've never been saved. And I'll tell you this, number four don't want to be one because of number two and number three. A marked life, people don't have to question of who they belong to. So if you're out in the room today and you, know, you say this, there's sin in my life, there's things that are keeping me separated from God. I can honestly say that I'm not making a mark on my family, I'm not making a mark on my culture, I'm not making a mark on my city because there's not a mark on me. And if you're out there and you say, you know what? I heard this this week. You can dance the aisles in chains. You can lift your hands in chains. You can even get on your knees in chains. The only thing you can't do in chains is be free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you're out there and you say, there's sin in my life. You say, you know what? I'll tell you this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. If you're the other three and not one, if you think you're saved, you were saved, or you're not even saved, I'm talking to you. The Bible says, he who calls upon the Lord, name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.